Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Nathan Wolfel Outdoors podcast. I am Nathan Wolfel of NathanWolfelOutdoors.com. Thank you very much for joining me today. A few housekeeping items before we get started to catch up on the latest articles, stories, tips, tricks, recipes, overall content. Be sure to check out NathanWolfelOutdoors.com for the latest. Check it out frequently. I try to post fresh content at least once a week, so be sure to give that a look. You can keep up with me on social media by finding me on Facebook at Nathan Wolfel Outdoors, or you can find me on Instagram at ndubs41. That's at ndubs41 on Instagram. If you like what you hear on this show, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the show currently to keep up with the latest episodes. And if you have feedback on the show or on the website, just want to ask a question, pop in, say hi, and offer your thoughts, you can email me at natewolfel at gmail.com. That's N-A-T-E. W-O-E-L-F-E-L at gmail.com. So today's show, we're going to talk fishing. I know it's a weird time of year if you're listening to this when it, when this episode just comes out, but we're going to talk fishing, and we have a very awesome guest and a very good reason to be talking fishing because we are talking to Josh Wiesner, who won the championship tournament on Chautauqua Lake in New York. Um, the championship tournament for the Pro Walleye Series, the head-to-head fishing Pro Walleye Series in their inaugural year. He brought home a cool $50,000 for that victory. And I figured, first of all, he's from Wisconsin. He lives in Fond du Lac. We need to talk to the guy. And then um, anytime I get the chance to pick the brain of someone who is that high level of an angler, I want to do it. I want to do it for myself selfishly. I want to do it for you so we can learn some things. So um, Josh was kind enough to give us some time. Um, he won that event back in October. He is a super, super busy guy between the businesses he owns, um, trying to spend time with family and friends, trying to spend time in the woods hunting. Um, we've been in constant communication for the last few weeks, and he was kind enough. He was sick for a little bit. Um, his voice wasn't in the best of shape, and he said he said he'd rather reschedule from our original time, and he was kind enough to follow up with me and to stay dedicated to it and make sure that we had this conversation. And I'm just I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's just so much that can be, there's so much that can be learned from these head to head fishing guys and gals. And I'm, I'm very grateful. This is the fourth guest we've had on who has been associated with H to H fishing. We had Matt Trotz and Andy Cleveland on, on an earlier episode to talk about H to H and the pro walleye series. We had Josh Blosser on the show to kind of get inside the mind of a pro angler. And now we're going to have Josh uh, Wiesner on the show to talk through not only his championship win, but to talk a little bit about his mentality going into tournaments and how he approaches walleye fishing and fishing in general and when to rely on equipment versus when to trust your gut, you know, his favorite tactics for pursuing walleyes, why he chooses to pursue walleyes competitively um, rather than some other species. The difference between the average angler and, and a professional tournament angler as Josh is and, and, and learning how you can close that gap. He has some really great advice about how to close that gap a little bit and how to study and to prepare the way a pro prepares. And, and it was not, some of his answers were surprising to me, but they make so much sense. And I think you're going to be a little surprised too of some of his sources of information. It's interesting because the way the pro walleye series works with H to H fishing you are not allowed to go and get any firsthand intel from a local um, within 30 days of an event. And they're not allowed to see that water or fish on that water within a certain window as well. So some of the tactics that Josh uses to give himself the best chance for success in these high-level tournaments, um, he shares that with us. He talks about how he prepares, and we can all learn from that. So I know winter is coming, but we're going to talk some walleye fishing. You're going to learn a bunch. So let's just get right to it. And our guests on this week's show, Josh Wiesner, the championship tournament winner of H2H Fishing's Pro Walleye Series. I hope you enjoy. All right, everyone. Again, as I mentioned, our guest today is Josh Wiesner who was the champion of the final event of the HDH Pro Walleye Series. 
um, bringing home a nice big check and a win that he had wanted. As I've heard in several interviews, he thought that he had many wins throughout the year, had a tournament that he could win. He won the biggest one of them all. So I knew we had to talk to Josh, and he was kind enough to make some time for us. So if you will all join me in welcoming Josh Wiesner to the show. Josh, thank you very much for making the time to talk some fishing with us today. Yeah, glad to be here, Nathan. Congratulations on the title. And I know you mentioned in a couple interviews I've, I, I've seen you do, or one of them with Matt and Andy on the H2H page, where you said there were several tournaments throughout the year where you really felt this was going to be the one. This was it. This was it. You were in position to win. You were going to pull it off. And you were very consistent, but you came up short until the very end. Was there a moment at Chautauqua Lake where you realized that this one was going to be the one that was going to end the way you wanted it to end? Actually, it was really tough fishing out there. Um, going into it, I thought I had a really good chance. And if you if you watch my pre-interview of before launching the boat, I was feeling pretty good about it, just the way it was setting up. And after pre-fishing for a couple days, you know, things just weren't right. They weren't where they were supposed to be. The water temp was still warm. And uh, I didn't, you know, until I found them fish on Thursday is when I realized, you know, this could definitely happen. And how, walk us through, because so few people, a lot, I mean, a lot of people who listen to this show fish, none of them that I'm aware of, except maybe Josh Blosser, who I believe has listened to an episode or two since he's been on the show, have any idea what it's like to fish at the level you fish at on the Pro Walleye Series. What kind of mental approach or mindset does it take to not only be able to make it through the several events there are in a season, but then to also stick it out on a day-by-day basis because if things are going well for you, these are five-day events. And like you said, some days are different. Sometimes the bite, the patterns disappear. Sometimes they appear, and that's great, and that's happy. But there's so many emotions. How do you mentally try to deal with all of that, not only throughout the year, but from event to event? Well, I'm pretty laid back, but there's, um, you know, I just take it, you know, I fish my butt off and it is what it is. So at the end of the day, whatever I do, that's what I live with. You know, um, there's a lot of guys that aren't like that and it gets in their head really bad, you know, and that's if they start losing or they're checking on their competitor, how they're doing and they know that they're getting their butt kicked. I mean, they're, they just go nuts and that I don't, you know, you just have to fish that day and, and go from there. And if you make it to the next day, great. You keep going and, and game on, you know. Heading into the Pro Walleye Series season, the inaugural season, what were your goals that you had? Did you have goals for yourself? And if so, what were they? How were you How were you hoping you would stack up in a field of some very talented anglers? I was hoping I was going to do well, and my goal was just to make it to the championship. And so I pulled that off. I think I finished fifth overall. Um you know, so so going into the championship and winning it, I mean, that was a huge, huge accomplishment for sure. What would you say is the biggest thing you learned throughout the season? I mean, someone like you has a good deal of fishing knowledge to begin with, but with these different lakes and rivers and these different situations, you found yourself pursuing walleye in competitive, in competitively. Um, what was, were there things you learned throughout the year that helped you progress and grow or helped you stay consistent with so many of your finishes? Was there something you picked up along the way that assisted you in that? Well, I didn't, uh, I actually put trolling rods in the boat and I, I never troll. So I haven't trolled in a tournament and, oh, I don't know, probably 20 years, 15, 20 years. And, uh, I actually had rods and I did a little bit of that during pre-fishing um, and I did catch, catch some fish trolling, but I, I never wanted to do that. Like, that's not my go-to thing. But some of these places, it made you think that you had to do different things, especially when the bite was off. And Chautauqua was one of them also. But, um, you know, the biggest thing I learned all year was probably how things are different from one body of water to the next. So what works on Lake Winnebago, which is my home body of water. I mean, the stuff that works there doesn't work in other places. And that was, that really threw me for a loop right away. Um, That was probably the hardest thing I had to deal with all year. It was learning new techniques that I'd never even done before. So next year should be, I'm hoping it's going to be a lot different. And I'll I'll be more prepared for that. How do you 
assess a new body of water? Because I think that is something, and we'll get into this a little more later, but I think something that separates an angler of your caliber from the average angler is the ability to assess a new area of water quickly or relatively quickly. When you're presented with a place that maybe you haven't fished a lot or possibly at all, where do you start? If, like, let's say you're walleye fishing, where do you start um, to to begin to get a grip on what it is you're dealing with in a new spot? Well, a lot of this comes down to the preparation stage, and that you know that starts way before you know, like when when I knew we were going to, to Chautauqua, I was studying that lake for three months probably, you know, trying to find any information. You know, we can't communicate with the public uh, 30 days in advance of the tournament. So getting, there's no local information that you're allowed to get after that. And you can't go to the lake. So you have to do all the homework on your end. And then the way it's worked this year was none of that even panned out. Like you get a tip from somebody that fished it, you know, (laughs) prior to the cutoff. And they would tell you whatever they want to tell you. And the way the water fished this year, it was just so off. It was incredible. So you could have threw most of that information out the window. But that's where it starts is the preparation. And, I mean, I I love that part. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, like, build a story in my head, you know. And then I just run with that. But when you get to the lake is when it starts, you know, and that's, that's probably my favorite part is just getting on the water, feeling it out, looking at the conditions. And then just like the first day, I'll just drive around. I'll, I'll fish very little. And as the day progresses, I'll start, you know, like I should really cast here. Let's try this. But that first day is, is almost always just driving around, getting a feel for the lake, looking at the water, you know, looking at the weeds, and, and trying to figure out what these fish are doing. And then the second and third day, you have to dial it in. And you, from what I have heard about you and what I have read about you, it's interesting to hear you mention a couple things when you say about driving around, looking at the weeds, looking at the water, kind of using your using your natural senses. But you're also a big equipment guy, too. And it seems to me then that you're actually, and and correct me if I'm wrong, as you're doing that scouting on that first day, it's kind of a balance of what your eyes are telling you and what your tools are telling you. Is that kind of how it works out? Like, how do you, how do you know when your gut is the thing to trust or when your tools will lead you in the direction you want to go? Or is it always a combination of both to some extent? Well, it's definitely a combination of both. I mean, you have to trust your tools. So my tools are my Garmin electronics by far. I mean, that's, I, when you can run 25, 26 miles an hour over water and mark fish when you're running that fast and trust what you're seeing, yeah, that's a huge deal, you know. And that's that's why I do that. I mean, I you have to trust what you're looking at, and you have to be comfortable with it too. But you're using that technology, and you're also using your experience, you know, to you know, have I been in this situation? What you know, water temperature depth of water, thermocline, no thermocline, you know, there's so many different variables and you just got to put it together in your head. And you mentioned doing your homework. I want to go back a couple questions. You mentioned doing your homework and that you really do enjoy that process. What is, what is all involved in that process for you, especially when you can't have contact uh, within 30 days with the public around the area? What does doing your homework look like from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, when you're fishing out in New York or you're fishing out in Minnesota, you're fishing in Nebraska. Um, how do you go about that process of doing homework and preparation for a tournament? Um, I use YouTube a lot, you know, so I watched like Chautauqua. I don't care if they're fishing for muskies or bass. I'm watching that video and I'm, I'm looking at the water, you know, like I could tell before we got there, that there was going to be a big algae bloom on the south end of that lake. And you could, you know, just listening to people, it does, like I said, it doesn't matter what they're fishing for, just getting a feel for the lake. And sometimes you'd watch them bass guys catch walleyes. So you knew the walleyes were shallow at a certain time of year, you know. Um, so all of that stuff, like the Mississippi River, there were some good YouTube videos. But, I mean, I watched, Chautauqua, I must have watched 40 videos. Um, Mississippi River was probably 10 or 20, you know, a lot. You know, it just adds up. But... That's where I start, and then I'll just do, I'll just Google everything, look at aerials, you know, aerials from way back when, 
to currently and just watch the water change, you know, like um, Nebraska was a, a key one for that where you had to find low water levels just so I could see where the trees were at. So I had a general idea of what was going on. And you just start putting it together in your head. And, and then when you get there, it's probably nothing what you thought, but you at least have some kind of confidence in whether it's where you're launching your boat or, you know, is there a big rock pile in front of the launch that you got to worry about? I mean, there's so many different things that you have to keep controlled in your head, you know? That's incredible. That's incredible dedication. And honestly, Josh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real with you. The last thing on earth I thought that was going to come out of your mouth was YouTube. And I think that's awesome because what I love about that is that that's a resource that's accessible to anyone. If you're willing to put in the time, if you're willing to connect that to the aerial maps, to the other legwork you're able to do, even if you're not a competitive fisherman or a competitive angler, you're just a weekend warrior who wants to go catch some fish in a new spot. It's so cool to hear that someone who fishes at your level uses a tool that any of us could use if we are dedicated to it and want to learn how to use it properly. That's awesome. You know, you gotta, you gotta spend a lot of time doing it, but it's, uh, you know, it's just, you might watch 20 videos and pick up one little piece of information, but you know, that piece of information could seal the deal. You don't, you don't know. And I wanted to talk to you about a little bit, and maybe this plays into where something I wanted to pick your brain about for the sake of our listeners, but also for my own sake as well. Obviously, as we're talking, we're out of walleye season, open water around here, but there have to be things that the, let's say an average angler who wants to improve and have a better walleye season, open water next year, what can they be doing now to help be prepared, to help be prepared for when spring comes and when the bite starts to pick up and to be on top of their game come let's say March of next year, April of next year, what can be done in the off season to help make next year more fruitful? Well, you could go back and watch all the head to head videos, I guess. Um, you know, them are available for everybody to go back and watch as many times as they want. Um, but there's, you know, for me, this is my hunting season. So I kind of take the fishing is, is off the deal. So my rods are put away. Um, actually we just, you know, I shouldn't even say that because last week we filmed the next filmed a, filmed the next bite show, um, myself and Tommy Chemo. So we were still fishing; it was cold as hell. <laughs> but, <laughs> but now I am done. I'm, I'm I'll get into ice mode a little bit. But in the off season, get all your stuff ready. Watch as many videos as you can. If you're going to new places, do what I do with the you know the research, so you know, and get all your baits ready too, so you're not fumbling in the spring. So. I'll probably start that process in January again. And then January, I'll start researching our first tournament, which is, I think, Chamberlain for next year. So, you know, that's when I'll start. Um, I have a lot going on on my, on my plate. So, you know, I, I want to dedicate more time to this, but I, I, I can't. You know, I have three businesses to run, and it's, it's kind of a do what I can at the, at the moment. Well, and speaking of your diverse interests in the outdoors, I've noticed that you have experienced competitive bass fishing as well. Of all the things you could pick, why walleyes? Why walleyes and why now? Um, is there something, do walleyes just hold a special place in your heart? Are you particularly confident when it comes to that? Is it just something you've always wanted to do? Um, of all the things you could fish for or fish for competitively, why did you choose PWS? Well, the, on the walleye side, I mean, the bass tournaments, yeah, I've been doing since, um, like, really competitively since probably 2000, 2010, I think I got into it. And, you know, the, the biggest part of, of any kind of tournament fishing is success, right? So if you win a tournament, you're, you're hooked up. Like, you are hooked for life. You do good in a tournament, you're hooked for life. And that's, that's probably my downfall is that the first <laughs> the first big bass tournament I got in, I ended up winning. It was on Lake Winnebago, and I, it was a championship, and I won it, and that was it. Like, I was I was hooked. So, and same thing with walleye. I, you know, when we first, my brother and I started fishing, and this was like 2002 or something like that, and, and we got into walleye weekend, and I'm like, let's just try it. I'm catching good walleyes, and let's just jump in and try, and we ended up taking, like, fifth or sixth or seventh I don't remember something like that and then we were both hooked you know I mean that's how that's how that works so that's anybody who's interested in getting into tournament fishing you know what I would recommend you do is go out 
the same day that the tournament a tournament is going on and, and see if you can compete. Don't fish in the tournament, but just go fish for yourself and see how you did compared to everybody else. And if you got a if you did good, jump in the next tournament. And if you did do good, we'll try to keep improving until you get to that point. But that's that's what I would recommend for newcomers and getting into the H two H. Honestly, it was something different, and I, I wanted to I wanted to do something different. I fished team events and you know co angler events my whole career, and I, I just I felt this this was very entertaining and very you know I knew it was going to be a struggle. I knew it wasn't going to be as easy as some of the anglers thought it was going to be. And I was looking forward to that challenge. So that's uh, that's definitely why I jumped in the the head to head. And you know, so far I, I I really enjoy it. Like it's it's exciting to get up the next day and go pre fish. And you know, day of the tournament is is awesome. You know, so definitely looking forward to next year. How do you make the decision? Because you're clearly a busy guy, and H to H is quite a commitment. I mean, it's not like it's every week, but also it's not like all these tournaments are happening in your backyard either. How do you decide that? What made you decide that you were at a point where between work, between your family, between other things you'd like to do that you're able to one month go hook up the boat and haul down to Nebraska or haul over to New York or haul over the Mississippi river and, and be able to chase this because if you want to be competitive in this, even remotely, there's no halfway to do it. You've got to either be all in or not do it. How do, how do you even begin breaking down, you know what, all the stuff I got going on in my life, all the stuff I want to do, this is how I'm able to prioritize fishing at this high level for walleyes, no matter where in the country I have to go to do it. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, it just came down to my employees and they were able to run, uh, you know, they took, you know, I own the boat dock. That's my busiest adventure for sure. And we, we've had our busiest and best year by far this year. It's been incredible. But my employees were able to take control. You know, I have the right employees in charge. And they were able to take control and run it for me um, with minimal calls, which in the, I haven't had that for a long time. So that that was a huge deal. Um and they, you know, they were all for it. So I, you know, I talked to Mama Bear, and she said, "Go for it." And you know, here we go. So that's that's how that happened. But yeah, if you don't have good people supporting you, you're there's no way you can do it. That's awesome. It's awesome that you have those kind of people, both in your personal life and in your professional life, that that can help make that happen. Because you know, I, I've spoken to a few pro anglers on the show now and it, it just it does take a village it takes support you can be as die hard as you want to be but if you want to have any sense of balance in your life it takes support from other people to make this kind of thing happen yeah absolutely this is a question i normally i'm gonna backtrack a bit i normally start all my guests off with this question and now my listeners are probably like why didn't he start with this question but i think it's a pertinent one as we kind of um transition the interview a little bit um, you clearly have a, a very strong passion for the outdoors, both hunting and fishing. Who or what got you into the outdoors? Where did your love for hunting and fishing start? Is there someone who passed it down to you? Was it a particular experience? How did you get to where you are now with your passion for hunting and fishing? You know, I would say my dad got me into the hunting aspect for sure. And, you know, we used to, I remember going bowling with him when it was just freezing, like October's were way colder than they are now, it seemed. But, you know, there'd be ice and on puddles early October. It was crazy. But we, he'd always take me and my brother out. And we'd go, I mean, there was no tree stands back then either. So we were like standing, <laughs> we're like sta all standing in the same tree waiting for dad to shoot a deer. You know, I mean, that's, that's how that kind of started. But that was just like, we were hooked. You see, you see your dad shoot a deer one time and you, you want to bowl yourself, you know, even if you're 10. So that's where that started. Um, the fishing deal, we got really heavy into ice fishing. Um, you know, he pulled me out of school a couple of times just to go early, you know, bluegill fishing. And we used to sight fish him all the time. I mean, it was awesome. But that's where that kind of started. And it just, we, you know, I, I stuck with the ice fishing. Once I was 16, I had a little Cavalier. And the first thing I did was put a hitch on that thing. And any chance I had, I was, I was fishing. It didn't matter what I was catching at that time, you know. 
But that just progressed, and I ended up going to school for marine uh, mechanic stuff and got a job at a dealership. And then you started talking. We catered to the tournament angler, and you start talking to these guys. And, you know, slowly and slowly I started buying, you know, my own boat, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, I'm doing tournaments and, you know, able to compete with these guys that have been doing it forever. So That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that another thing I always wonder about people in your position that competitively fish, do you ever find that the, and you mentioned you're a pretty laid back guy, but do you ever find that the grind of competitive fishing, especially mid season ever tries to interfere with that natural love you have for the outdoors? Or are you pretty good at keeping a balance between the, the will to want to perform at a high level but also the fun that comes with being able to fish as frequently as you do. Is it hard to keep that balance? Is it easy for you to keep that balance? Is it something in between? Yeah, my my fun fishing is fishing bluegills, like no matter what time of year. I mean, that's what I love to do. And so if I'm not fishing, like this year, the only tournaments I did, I did a couple bass ones that were big, big bass ones and failed miserably this year. And it was a Mississippi River deal that, was I just not good on the river for some reason? I don't know why. But so I did a couple of bass ones and then the, the the head-to-head stuff, and that's all I did. I told my wife that that's all I was doing. So when I was home, we were fishing bluegills. You know, we went up north for a week and uh, fished bluegills with the kids. And otherwise, I would just take the kids out bluegill fishing once in a while, and that's that's my release. And watch the kids catch them. And, you know, and we love eating them too. So it, it works out great that way, but that's definitely my release. And I, I just really enjoy it. I mean, you can't beat a good bluegill bite, especially when they're in deeper water. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, I think that from my perspective, it's good that you have, it's good that you're for fun. Fishing is a different style of fishing than your competitive fishing, because like you said, it is a release. It is something different. And it's also what I enjoy about that answer too is that bluegill fishing is something that a lot of us I feel like either grew up doing or continue to do now. It's still fun. It it is fun to get into them. Um, when my family goes up north for our annual fishing trip, and you know, yeah, we will fish for walleye and we will fish for bass, but like we still dedicate specific time to going out and catching panfish and to catching bluegill because it's one of the most to me especially when you get into them, it's one of the most enjoyable types of fishing there is, in my opinion. Absolutely. And they, I mean, some of the bigger ones just fight, like, ultralight rods, light line. It's just, you really have to fight them out. I mean, it's a great way to bring up a kid and, and teach them the basics of fishing. And when you get on them and they're biting, I mean, it, you, can, you can catch a lot of them, and it keeps everybody entertained, and it's just a good time. Definitely. I completely agree. Um, looking ahead to 2022, uh, for H to H Pro Walleye Series for you, what goals do you have for yourself now that you've been through it? You mentioned before you finished fifth in the Angler of the Year points this year, which is pretty darn awesome considering the level of competition. You won the largest event of the year. Topping that is not going to be easy. But as you look ahead a little bit to next season, what are some goals you have for yourself? What do you hope you can accomplish? That's a good question. Um, you know, I guess I would. I almost have to just say I'd like to get the, to the championship again. So the top six, <clears throat> 16 go to the championship out of the 32. So that's that's a big deal right off the bat. And then you do have the chance to win that the top prize, you know. So, you know, I, I, I would love to be angler of the year. Um, you know, Isaac really did a heck of a job this year nailing that thing. And he was tough to beat, you know, after I was doing good the first couple tournaments and then I... I got stuck. I think it was the Mississippi River. Which one was it? Malaxa started going down a little bit. And then the Mississippi River kind of daggered me. But, you know, he kept strong the whole year, and that's all it takes. So, um, you know, I would I would love to be that the angler of the year as a goal. That's a really tough goal. I mean, there's a lot of good fishermen in this. But making the championship is definitely realistic. And being in the top, you know, maybe if I can beat the top five, Maybe go for the top three for Angler of the Year. That'd be great. And, you know, we're just going to see what happens. Just fish hard. That's all you can do, Nathan, is just fish hard and see what happens. You know, I, I'm not I'm not the type that just gives up. That's for sure. So, 
Is there a particular event on the calendar for the Pro Walleye Series that you're looking forward to? Boy, that's that's a good one because I none of these places I've been to again. So last year I haven't been to any of the places we went. Um, this year, while well, I have Green Bay, I actually that that might be interesting. That could be a, just a phenomenal bite um, depending on the weather. But I would say you know they're all fun. I don't have a particular one. Last year was Malax. I thought it was going to be a blast, and I wish I would have did better in that one, and I should have. But this year, I you know we have Chamberlain, and then it goes. Um, boy, I don't even know where we go. The second one now, I should have probably studied a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but there's some there's some good ones. I know it's uh, we go to Wyoming, we go to South Dakota twice, and we go to Michigan, and then we go to Green Bay. So the Green Bay one should be pretty. Like I said, it should be pretty good time um should see some huge weights if uh if everything pans out with that so uh, in the championship this year they're not going to announce which is awesome you know yeah uh, there were guys that went to the new york last year early because they were before the limit cut off okay and i did not have time to do that and that um that would have helped me for sure if i was able to get there early so this year they're not seeing until that 30-day cutoff, I believe. So they haven't really... Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's that's a huge deal. It's kind of an exciting deal, too. So I, I, I really want to make it to that. And, man, just, yeah, looking at the schedule, I pulled it up as you were chatting about it, that, I mean, two treks out to South Dakota, out to Wyoming, Michigan, get to Fish Green Bay. I mean, the you, I suppose it, it's hard to complain about the di- the variety in places that you get to fish and the different situations you get to fish and the different locations you get to see. I mean, that's a pretty diverse lineup for someone, I don't know, like me, who's born and raised in Wisconsin, someone like you who spent most of his time at least fishing locally in Wisconsin, that to be able to see all that stuff, that has to be worth something in and of itself to have those that wide range of experiences in so many different places. It is absolutely. Like, Nebraska was awesome, that place – like they wine and dined us too. Like you go and get something to eat and they, they knew, you know, why you were there. It was, it, it was awesome there. So, and it, it seems that the head to head thing is definitely catching on. And I, I would expect more and more communities to jump on board with that. And, um, you know, it's going to be, a, it doesn't matter where we go. I, I would like to see some better places than last year, but we, we definitely mother nature wasn't on our side this last year. And hopefully that plays a little bit uh, better role here in 2022. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> there were there were definitely some brutal weather days on the tournament trail for you guys this year. There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we couldn't have asked for a worse Mother Nature deal for sure. Like it, every time you know we always hit, we have the wrong dates at the wrong time basically the whole year. So it's tough, and that's I mean. And that's always an X factor because that's it's something too that that every angler, even when you're fishing for fun, would love to control. But one of the one of the few things that it's really hard to control or impossible to control on our end is is the weather part of it. And it seems like your attitude of playing the hand you're dealt and just figuring it out and being determined is is probably a large part of the reason you were. I mean, if we're look if we're being honest and looking at your results, you were largely able to overcome that. How much of that did you just attribute to your attitude and your demeanor in general about just rolling with the punches? Yeah, I I guess I, I think it's a lot to do with that. Um, if I was all jacked up and excited at, you know, they're not biting, should I move, should I move? You know, I, I wouldn't be nearly as successful as I am, that's for sure. So they're, uh, you know... I, I, I don't know. I just, I like doing what I do and that's, that can get me sometimes and it, it, sometimes I win with it, you know? So like the jig bite, for example, if, if I didn't stick to that plan in New York and I would have went trolling, which I was, had every intention of doing on that Thursday, you know, I wouldn't have won that tournament. There's no question. So having the right attitude and the right patience and sticking to your comfort zone is a huge deal. Now, I understand that it's going to be situationally dependent, but if you had to pick just one, what is your favorite tactic for pursuing walleye? You've mentioned that trolling is not so much your thing, but if, if you all things being equal and you could pick your desired tactic, what is your thing? 
uh, just jig rod in hand, just pitching jigs or, you know, throwing jigs, casting jigs. Um, I do like anything with one rod in your hand that, you know, that I can compete with. The live scope deal is a huge deal for me, picking out independent fish and casting to them. That's, I mean, that's right up my alley. So if, when we get in them situations, that's, that's what I want to be fishing with for sure. I mean, that's, that's my game. So, um, I did learn some stuff in New York when, uh, them walleyes went in the weeds and I was able to pick them out. Uh, I'm super excited about next year to, to try to do that a little bit more. When do you find time knowing that pre-fishing time for these tournaments is limited? There's that 30 day cutoff. And also that the type of fishing you like to generally do for fun is not walleye fishing. When do you find time to experiment and push your limits a little bit where that gives you the opportunity to learn new things? When do you decide and how do you make time for trying something new, knowing that you don't necessarily have a ton of time to try new things in the situation that you're in with the, with the walleye series that you fish? Yeah, there's not time. And that's, you know, we only get three days to pre-fish no matter where we go. So it usually starts on Friday. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you do not have time. And them days go so fast. It's incredible, especially when you're not finding them or catching them. So you have to adapt like none other. And you don't get to talk to people, right? You can talk to people in, internal in the tournament that are in the tournament, but nobody else. So the locals could be whacking on them. You're not allowed to talk to them. If you hear any information from a local, you have to report it to all 31 of the other anglers. Wow. So you can't, you know, it's you against 31 and you don't want to tell anything, you know, that's the biggest thing. Like here's a perfect example, Lake Wisconsin. I found these fish in the weeds shallow, like two feet. I found them the first day in the afternoon and I had like, I made like four casts. Once I got in the good spot, I'm like, oh my God, there's gotta be fish here. I made like four casts and had a 26 incher, a 22 incher, a 21 incher and an 18 incher. And I, and this was in a big area. So I just kept pickle on. I didn't go back to that spot until the day of the tournament. And that was on Friday. So Monday was the tournament because I didn't want anybody to see me in there. And it worked out perfect. I mean, I ended up taking third in that, but I only caught one legal fish. I had 19 fish the first day and one was legal. So That's crazy. I found out after the fact that there were locals going in there. Somebody seen me on that Friday. I don't even know how it's possible. And they went, they were going in there in the afternoon catching fish. So Ugh. you have to be so careful on what you're doing. If you do catch them, there's no nets. Like you're shaking off fish. You don't want anybody to see you catch a fish. So <laughs> it's, there's so much more to it than, than everybody knows, but you have to be adaptable and it's so difficult. And if you get it right though, you win, you know, that's what it comes down to. So then knowing all of those things you have to think about going back, going back here to the beginning of, 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 of the conversation with this topic. So then how do you go, Hey, you know what? I have this theory that if I throw this bait or try this tactic that maybe isn't jigging and maybe it is trolling, maybe it's something different. You know, we saw a variety of tactics on HTH on the pro walleye series, when do you decide to pull the trigger and try something different in pre-fishing? I'm assuming it's in pre-fishing, knowing that there's such a finite amount of time. Plus, you have all those other things to be worried about that you just mentioned. Yeah, it's, you know, honestly, I'll have six different rods on my deck, and they're all tied up with something different. And I'm using my electronics all the time. So if there's fish there and I don't know what, you know, they're not biting, I'm throwing everything else at them for sure. But you have to just keep, you you know... A lot of times, so that's why I fish shallow a lot of times. The shallower fish are more aggressive generally, and they're biting. But And you can't tell on your electronics what kind of fish they are all the time either. So there's, like you said, there's so much stuff going on. You just got to, it's it's an experience thing, and, you, and it's a comfort thing. You know, you have to throw what you think they're going to eat. You know, there's no live bait either, so it's not like you're throwing a nightcrawler. Everything eats a nightcrawler, right? <laughs> we're, not, yeah. we're not doing that so the paddle tail thing um was a huge deal for me i think three of the 
tournaments that I cast checks in all came off paddle tails and then we're walleye assassins. Uh, so that's, that's definitely a confidence bait for me. Um, and I have other confidence baits too, but like I said, they bite it on one area, one lake, and they won't bite it on another lake. So you just got to run through your tackle and throw everything you got at them and cross your fingers and hopefully you get bit and they, they teach you something as you're catching them. Is it more difficult fishing the pro walleye series with that restriction of no live bait or is it something that after a while, especially with the the amount of time and energy you've invested in walleye fishing in your life, is it something that you can figure out pretty quickly once you understand the rule set you're dealing with? Uh, the no live bait thing is a huge, huge disadvantage. Um, generally, I mean, prior to this, I, I did use a lot of not, or I didn't use a lot of live bait, but I would use it like Lake Winnebago, for example. There's certain times where you're using live bait, no question. And... I, I was comfortable with the no live bait deal, just artificials, but definitely this year, I, I definitely could have used some night crawlers or chubs. Malax, I could have, <laughs> chubs on Malax would have been absolutely incredible. And they just weren't, they were so picky out there this year, it was crazy. But definitely, everywhere we went probably could have been an advantage for that. I asked Josh Blosser this question, and he had an interesting story, and I'm curious if you have one, if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever pre-fished a tournament, whether it's an H to H tournament or not? Have you ever pre-fished a tournament and then at the end of the day thought to yourself, "Uh oh, this 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 could be a rough one." Have you ever found yourself in that situation after pre-fishing? And if so, what did you what did you do? <laughs> Absolutely, you do. You know, if you're having a tough time, I mean, if you're a good fisherman and you pre-fish for three days and you're struggling. 95% of the other anglers are doing are in the same boat. You know, they're all struggling as well. So Mississippi River is a perfect example. Um, everybody was struggling, and everybody was struggling so bad that everybody was talking to each other, which we're legal, allowed to do. So everybody knew that the bite was off. And you did, so now you knew it, didn't, it wasn't going to take much to move get to the top eight, right? So yeah. I knew going into that I had to catch three fish. And I had a couple spots where I was catching legals. So you just grind it out. You don't you don't make crazy moves. You know that you can go to a spot and catch three fish maybe all day long, and that's what you do. And that one just didn't work for me. I caught some shorts that I didn't catch shorts in, you know, and they have to be two pounds for our standards. So, you know, that's 18, 19 inch fish generally. So it you're catching 16, 17 inches. It's kind of, it kind of stinks, but, um, but yeah, that's all you do. You just, you put your head down and you grind it out. And, and there's a lot of tournaments like that, but you almost got to use that tournament day as a pre-fishing day, although it's only five hours. So you're hoping you learn something during the five hours to tip you off to something else. It's amazing to me. And in a way, in a weird way, I find it reassuring to talk to anglers at your level and to find out how um, not only possible it is, but how frequent it can be at times to even hear people like you struggle sometimes. That if you fish long enough, it's just kind of part of the game that there are going to be slow weeks. There are going to be weeks where it's tough for even people who fish at your level <laughs> to find fish and to find bites. And like I said, I not only do I find that interesting in some ways, it makes me feel better about fishing, and in some ways, it makes me feel worse. It's like, man, if somebody like you could go and have a tough week, it's like someone like me, who's much more of the weekend warrior, like doesn't even stand a fighting chance. But it's just, it's an interesting thing to think about, and it has been a common theme. Uh, I mean, talking with Andy Cleveland, who used to be a used to be a tournament fisherman, talking with Josh Blosser, who fishes with you, talking with you, it's a common theme that, man, if you do this long enough, even people at your level are going to get stumped here and there. Absolutely. Fish do not bite all the time. You know, they have feeding windows and that's what you have to understand, especially in the summer months, them fish might only feed once or twice a day. And if you're not on the spot where they're feeding, you will not catch fish. So you have to sit. You don't know when they're going to feed, but there's definitely windows. So like the Mississippi River was between 10 and 11 o'clock. It seemed like that was the pattern where you could catch a big one. And if you weren't on the right spot, the right wing dam, you just weren't going to get bit. And that's what it came down to. So, 
And that's that's anywhere. It seems once that water warms up enough, then fish just go into a lethargic mode and they still have to eat, but they're going to eat at short windows and there's usually enough food everywhere. So they just got to go swim around and eat and right place, right time. In your estimation, what is the biggest difference between a, a quality competitive tournament angler and an average angler? What is something, if you had to point to one thing that generally speaking here's the difference this is the difference what is it in your eyes uh patience by far just having patience to to patience or confidence which whichever one you want to want to use with that but that's that's what it comes down to it's just relaxing and focusing on your job yeah, I mean, there's no substitute. I mean, in a lot of things in life, there's no substitute for patience. That is for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, one more quick follow-up question for you before I let you go, Josh. And again, I'm very grateful for your time and, and thank you for doing this. Yeah. If you had to pick your favorite place to fish in the great state of Wisconsin, since this is a Wisconsin Outdoors podcast, if your favorite place to fish in the state, what is it and why? Well, I would say it's Green Bay. I don't get to get up there too often um this year i didn't get there at all which is really frustrating but green bay has such a diversity i mean you can go catch 50 plus inch muskies you can catch seven pound smallmouth if you want you can catch giant walleyes giant perch out there i mean it's such a great place to fish the weather can can be absolutely horrendous though so you have (laughs) to have a little bit bigger boat but the diversity and the amount of fish that you can catch, I mean, the walleyes up there, when you when you find them, I mean, you can really pile drive them, you know, and same goes with the smallmouth bass, and I mean, I, I'm seeing more and more perch, like two years ago when I was up there, the perch schools were huge, I mean, it's just such a great place. Yes, it's a wonderful place. I, I don't spend nearly as much time there with my dad or with any of my family as I probably should, but you're 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 right on with that man it's a that's a wonderful wonderful fishery and you mentioned earlier in the interview um the importance of having people who support you who support your vision your business in some cases to allow you and empower you to do what it is you do in terms of fishing i wanted to give you a little runway here at the end of the episode um anyone you'd like to give a shout out to sponsors family friends people who've helped you have a, a very successful 2021 season and who will be helping you again in 2022? Yeah, my family's huge. You know, I got a good, I got lucky on on my wife's side and, and my side. I mean, just a great family network. Uh, all my employees at the boat dock, Hotshot Customs. Um, if anybody's looking for any custom baits, I, I own hotshotcustoms.com. So I'm busy with that. Um, I'll actually be running, running over to that shop here after this. But, um, so that, all my uh, sponsors, uh, Rail Blaze has been phenomenal. The Boat Dock is, I'm the owner of the Boat Dock, Ranger and Triton Boats. So if you're looking for a Ranger or a Triton Boat, um, look us up. Um, Mercury Marine, Power Pole's been unbelievable. Uh, Wave Pro Seats. Uh, there's a whole bunch, man. I, I'm actually lost for words right now, but, um, you know, it's been a great year and, uh, Definitely looking forward to 2022 season. Awesome. Well, I want to congratulate you on winning the championship event at Chautauqua Lake. So congratulations on that. And I wish you you nothing but the best in 2022, Josh. Thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Thanks, Nathan. So there is your head-to-head fishing Pro Walleye Series Championship Tournament winner. That's a mouthful. Josh Wiesner. And man, lots of good advice. Awesome guy to talk to. As with all of our guests, so grateful that he took the time to share his knowledge with you and I. That YouTube thing kills me, man. That's awesome. I, I, I never thought someone who... Recently cashed a check for 50 grand in a fishing tournament would would give advice that is so approachable as yeah, like use YouTube. Dive deep on those videos, piece it together online with other information. You're gonna learn things. It might only be a thing, but it could be a thing that makes a difference. 
it's so cool to hear that there is that much potential information sitting in a readily available and free source. It's encouraging. And yes, it's going to take more than a few YouTube videos to turn anyone into a professional angler. But to be able to do that kind of prep work, if you're willing to put in the time in such an easy, readily available place, you can pull up YouTube anywhere. Got a couple extra minutes waiting at the doctor's office, watch a video, learn about a new spot, learn about a new technique. Got a couple extra minutes on your lunch break, you know, pull it up on your phone or computer. I've got the YouTube app, I'm, app on my fire stick, you know, I can pull it right up on TV. So I thought that was a cool piece of advice. I think he hit it on the head as well with the difference. Not that I know what it's like to be a, a tournament angler caliber fisherman. But I would agree with this assessment because I'm definitely much closer to the average range than to Josh's level. But patience being a big differentiator, that's, I think he hit it right on the head. It's simple, but it's true. Your dedication, your confidence, your belief that you're willing to stick it out long enough to make things happen or to find the belief you're going to find the solution when things are slow. That's the difference. It's, it's one of the big differences anyway. I completely agree with his assessment there. So again, I want to thank Josh for taking the time to be on the show. And if this is your first episode hopping in on this and you enjoyed our talk about head-to-head -head fishing, um, I am pleased to tell you there are other episodes of this podcast you can check out um, as I am pulling it up right now. Should have had this. A, a more professional podcast host would have just had this ready. Um, but I want to make sure I'm giving you good information to get to these shows. Episode 12. Um, was our episode with Josh Blosser, who uh, just took us inside the mind of a, of a professional tournament angler. Lots of great advice about making the jump to tournament fishing and, and, and how to start taking fishing more seriously and things you need to think about and things to help you catch more walleyes, just like Josh Wiesner offered here on today's show. And then the other head-to-head -head fishing episode is episode seven, entitled Head-to-head -head Fishing, with Matt Trotz and Andy Cleveland. A breakdown of everything H2H has to offer, why it's an awesome resource, why it is such a unique fishing organization that I, I think is really creating a model for the future of fishing tournaments, in my opinion. So if you like this episode, check those out. And a few reminders to, uh, to reach out if you have any feedback on the show or guests you'd like to have on or questions you would like answered. If I can't answer the questions for you, as I always say, I will do my best to talk to someone who can get us an answer. So reach out via email at natewolfel at gmail.com. That's N-E-T-E-W-O-E-L-F-E-L -E -E at gmail.com. And also be sure to check out uh, Instagram at ndubs41, at ndubs41 on Instagram for a few times a week getting updates on my latest outdoors adventures. And follow me on Facebook at Nathan Wolfel Outdoors. So just make sure you're keeping up on all the latest and greatest. And if you'd rather, you can just go straight to the website. Go to NathanWolfelOutdoors.com for the latest stories. Um, got that new navigation in there so you can easily find the archive stories, old episodes of the podcast you can find there. All of the fishing, hunting, and uh, recipes-based content is separated out in the top navigation now. So be sure to check that out and browse through some new content. And as I mentioned, try to refresh it at least once a week. So check out NathanWolfelOutdoors.com for more. So that's all we got for today's episode. Thank you very much for sticking it out. I hope you learned a few things. I'd be surprised if you didn't. But thank you for hanging in there and listening to the show. And I hope you get to spend some time in the outdoors between now and the next time we talk. And we'll speak again real soon.